All right, welcome in Outsiders. Another episode of the Outsider Sports Football Podcast for you. Ben Mandel, Corey Jason, Dylan Mel, all with us. I'm Ryan Bally, your host. We're going to uh, almost wrap up our division deep dive series, at least on the NFC side. We're talking NFC West later on today. We're going to bring back our Outsider Performance Series. We had that going on through the playoffs last year. We're going to talk about the outsider performance of the preseason because, guys, the preseason is in the books. The next football that happens at the NFL level is going to be for real with the Lions and Chiefs opening night. But first, fan of the show, you support the show. Make sure you like us on whatever platform you're listening, wherever you're listening to. If it's on Spotify, on YouTube, subscribe, ring the bell for those notifications when we post. Follow us on X or Twitter at Outsidersports3. And before we dive into those outsider performance, performances i'm debuting a new segment on this show that i didn't tell you guys about it's called cult report weekly i have to talk about my cults every week i love it i Jonathan love it taylor's shirt hanging behind me he did not get traded instead he's on the physically <laughs> unable to perform list so he's still a cult for another four weeks but this saga it's drama it's tension it's not over i'm taking over unders on when cult report weekly becomes irrelevant over under week three of the regular season. <laughs> I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'm hammering the over. You've oh, got yeah. a rookie quarterback there. Yeah. This is and gonna be a relevant no, 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 no. Re- relevant to, to the NFL, not just to Ryan. Uh-huh. No, no, rookie quarterback. <laughs> yeah, We're interested quarterback. to see this development. Yeah, they're yeah. posting about a rich AR5. No, <laughs> you know, you weren't on the show the last time. What did you make of him flapping his wings in a preseason game? Were you ticked off by it or did you not care? No, I think he just wants to be an eagle like a lot of guys on the Colts these days and is just sad at his current situation. We're still swapping (laughs) players and staff yet. So listen, maybe he was just giving us a preview of what Jonathan Taylor could look like in a couple weeks. Let me know what Gus Bradley, he'll be your new (laughs) defensive coordinator before you know it. But all right, let's get an outsider performances of the preseason here. I'm already going to cheat right off the bat here to start the season. I'm going with kind of a full, not Kyle Pitts. Get out of here. Did he even play? Like, he's not good, Corey. You can keep this agenda going as long as you want. But I'm talking about the Steelers offense. Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator. Steelers fans have wanted him fired these last two years. They have ostracized this man. And it has a lot to do with the personnel he has on that Steelers offense. Kenny Pickett looks pretty good through this preseason. Five drives, five touchdowns for that starting Steelers offensive unit. An improved offensive line, George Pickens, as well as Pickett, they're in year two. Darnell Washington, figuratively and literally a monumental ad in the tight end department behind the Muth. So they got a big – I don't know how many of those drives actually came against starting defenses – but I think Buffalo played theirs. I know Atlanta didn't, but they got a big test against San Francisco. We're going to talk about them in a little bit, but I don't know if this is the worst offense in this division anymore. I mean, look, there are some good offenses in that division, so I'm not too sure, Ryan. But for my outsider of the preseason, I'm going with Jaguars running back Tank Bigsby. Tank had a pretty good preseason. I mean, look, to put it uh, lightly, His highlight 
was the 13 carry 70 yard performance in the the second preseason game against the Lions where he also had a few really nice runs he was averaging almost 3 yards after contact this is a big physical runner Doug Peterson said they're not going to overuse him early but they do expect him to play a big role in the offense along with Travis Etienne yeah, Ben, and from one tank to another, I'm going with Tank Dell as my outsider. Dude was just an absolute beast. He was explosive every time he was out there for the Texans, whether it was C.J. Stroud or Davis Mills. This guy was making plays, and in a wide receiver room with Robert Woods, Nico Collins, Noah Brown, John Mechie, there's not a clear one. And Tank Dell is a guy that C.J. Stroud said that the Texans should draft. So you already know Stroud wants him out there. He showed that he should be out there. I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the season, we're talking about Tank Dell as the wide receiver, one of the Texans. And we saw it here first in the preseason. Yeah. For me, I'm kind of taking it in a different tank direction. I'm going with a punter who just kicks nukes going saints punter, Lou Headley. I don't know if you guys know much about him. 30 years old, undrafted rookie, right? He was. Brandon Weeden. I was going to say Vince Papali over here. Even better because this guy, he's only he had a tattoo shop in Bali. He was working there, did some odd jobs, some construction, some scaffolding, and then he said, you know what? I want to be a punter in the NFL. So he decided to go, kicked in San Francisco with some workouts, ended up going to the University of Miami. And at 30 years old, he's the Saints starting punter. Only one left on the roster after the 53-man cut down. And if that's not an outsider, I don't know what is, because that guy literally was operating and doing stuff on the other side of the world before deciding to change change it all up and be an NFL punter. That's some determination and will right there. Corey, I got to ask you, do you think that that guy's punting career started maybe at a bar, a couple of beers with a buddy, and said, you know what, I could I could be an NFL punter, you just let me put in a couple of months. I'll be out there. And they were all clowning him, saying, no way. And here he is. Well, I think it's close to that, but he's Aussie, right? He's from Australia. They love rugby there. So mm-hmm. definitely has to have a rugby background. In college football, you know, the the best punters in college football tend to come from Australia. So I think that's kind of where it started. This guy with his rugby background, most likely. Then he went to the bar, had a couple beers, made a bet with a friend. <laughs> And just took it a little too far. Yeah, the I'll, rugby punt is it's used for a reason. I'll be there opening night for the drama-filled spectacle of the summer punter. <laughs> it's probably starring Mark Wahlberg. All right, let's talk about <laughs> NFC West, though. San Francisco 49ers. They were a game short of the Super Bowl for the second year in a row. Then they ran out of quarterbacks. Was it Josh Johnson was out there that they added like days prior? I don't even remember, but Brock Purdy had the injury. They were 13 and four and rolling their projected win total for this upcoming season sits at 10 and a half. And I mean, the biggest story we always talk about on this show, what do you have a quarterback? What do you have at head coach? To me, they have a top five head coach in the league with Kyle Shanahan, one of the best offensive systems. It's super quarterback friendly. We've seen Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard, whatever you think of Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm higher than most on him. A lot of people would say he got by on that system but yet Trey Lance could never figure it out. They had an aggressive trade-up to go get him in 2021 behind Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. They got him third overall. We could talk about what Miami turned that into, Jalen Waddell, Nick Chubb, Tyree Kill. I mean, Bradley Trey, Chubb. Bradley, what did I say? <laughs> Nick. Nick. 
Nick Chubb. <laughs> I got Nick Chubb on my mind because I stole him in my fantasy league the other night. But yeah, Bradley Chubb. So they're you know, Brock Purdy. I know these guys were unsure if he'll be ready to go this year. It seems like he is. And they're betting on a Sam Darnold career resurgence. I think that could happen if it needs to be. Just given the system, given the Kyle Shanahan system, Darnold's not going to be a world changer. He's never going to look like what the Jets hoped he would look like when they drafted him. But I mean, Dallas, some people are saying they stole Trey Lance, but if your neighbor leaves a couch out on the sidewalk with the word free on it, are you really stealing it? (laughs) That's pretty much it. It's not stealing a quarterback if you're pretty much being handed him. And if you are being handed a quarterback, it's for a reason. They are very, very few and far between in this league. There's a reason San Francisco saw everything they needed to see out of Trey Lance. To fully commit to Brock Purdy after a short, small sample size is pretty, pretty telling that they would commit to Purdy over Trey Lance with everything they invested in Trey Lance. They've invested almost nothing in Brock Purdy, right? They they don't owe anything to Brock Purdy, yet here we are because of how bad Trey Lance was. Now, either way, though, San Francisco, I think it it's one of the few teams where quarterback really doesn't matter as much with the amount of weapons that they have and the system that they have. Like you were saying, Ryan, very quarterback friendly. It goes to show how bad Trey Lance is that he couldn't figure it out. You know, Brock Purdy played well in it. You've seen tons of quarterbacks just plug in and play Josh Johnson in the playoffs. Only so much you can do against that defense. Speaking of defenses though, San Francisco has one of the best in the league. They're a top three defense in the NFL. They always seem to get good coaches in there. Doesn't matter if it's Robert Sala, if it's D'Amico Ryans, you know, they always seem to have a good defensive coach. I I just think San Francisco does everything right. You know, they moved off of Trey Lance, something that they didn't do right. They found their mistake. They moved on. They're continuing to move forward, and that's why they've been a premier and winning organization since Shanahan and Lynch got there. Listen, the 49ers are smart at a lot of things. Quarterback, not one of them. Let's just take a stroll down memory lane with this team. The team struggling at quarterback trades for Jimmy Garoppolo, plays a couple of games for them, wins a couple of games. They make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, Jimmy Garoppolo. Then he goes on to make an NFC championship or two for them, and they decide not enough. We got to go get some guy with all the tools, an athletic player, Let's go get Trey Lance. That's who we want. He's got the tools. Yeah, he's a Division II quarterback who hasn't played a lot of games. We know he's going to be a project. You get him, sit him a year behind Jimmy, make another NFC championship against the Rams, lose that one. That offseason, they decide. Trey Lance, that's the guy. They tried to lock Jimmy Garoppolo out of the building. They tried to kick him out and pack his bags for him. Didn't work, obviously. You bring Trey Lance in, week one, Chicago Bears, I mean, they played at a water park. I'm not sure how much you could take away from that game. It was just not what you see every Sunday. Then four, five offensive snaps in another week two game. Trey Lance breaks his leg. Terrible. Rip. Rip. Not practicing. Obviously, we know the season that Brock Purdy went on to have for the team. But I'm just so lost on when Trey Lance became, yes, all this draft capital, he's our guy to 
he's not even worth being on this roster above Sam Darnold. Because they see what's going on in practice. They what see day in and day out. They... You knew he was a project. Yeah, but <laughs> that's a project but that's ex- now. But that's exactly the point. It's so bad that they are so they're just ready to get him out. It would but be you one knew thing he'd be a Dallas, project. The fact that they gave up a seventh round pick, that's it. That is all they asked for Trey Lance. Fourth. Shows how bad it is. Fourth. They got a fourth. fourth. But either way, either way. For a quarterback, that, that might as well make a return. They gave him away. They, they did gave him away. Because Trey the organization was is a terrible at the quarterback it position. Was a, it was a complete <laughs> well, well, disaster well, on, well, and big box. We're, 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 we're also missing that it wasn't that the, the Niners went out to look to trade him. Trey Lance asked to get traded. After he was third on the depth chart. Right. So the Niners didn't give him away in the sense that they were just like, here, take him. They were going to keep him, and he asked out, and they acquiesced. They said, sure, we'll find you somebody. We'll try to get the best return we can. With where they were in training camp, it's not like you're going to get the best move. You're a quarterback. It takes a while to learn the playbook. So even if he's going to back up Dak, it's still going to take a while, and it's going to be a big project in a roster spot for the Cowboys because they have to keep three quarterbacks now. Yeah, I, I think he's worth the project, though. Yes, especially if for them, Cooper yeah. Rush is going to want a deal. Look, if, if you don't give him it, he's a good backup Sam, for Dak. And Dak's going to want Francisco, the largest contract ever. If San Francisco wanted to keep Trey Lance, they would not have made him the – if they were going to keep Trey Lance and Sam Darnold, they very easily could have put Sam Darnold as third on the depth chart. They did not have to do this to Trey Lance. They sent a message – they clearly did not want him on the roster. That's what it came down to. They clearly said he is not going to be the guy here. That's that's what it came down to. They this said year. he's not going to be the guy this year. They never said next year you won't. They won't. No, be, but the fact that, that they put him behind Sam, Do- the fact that they put him behind Sam Darnold, he lost the job show- to Sam Darnold. He didn't exactly. You lose the job to Sam Darnold. They're saying that you're not ever going to play here. Removed from that injury. It takes they said they gave up. up on him. They gave up on him. They did give up on him. That, that may be well and true, but it doesn't mean they gave him away for nothing. He asked for out. They didn't look to move him. He asked to be moved. And they, it they, did not feel, they did not feel offers very long. That. They no, did not feel offers they, for very long. They gave up on him. But my question to you guys is, why are we praising a team for getting rid of Trey Lance when they spent – all of those draft picks that we talked about that landed the Dolphins, Jalen Waddle, Bradley yeah. Chubb, and Tyreek Hill to get this guy who they knew was going to be a project, and then they give up on him after a game and a half as their starter. Is I didn't praise say that them Lynch when they made the GM? move. I'm not praising them now. But the thing is, is I can totally praise them for making the right move in this current situation. The right move was to get him out. The right move was to move on. When you realize the guy is never going to play for you ever, and that is what happened, San Francisco moved on. And that is the right move in that spot. Obviously, it's a bad – it wasn't a great decision to go give up that those assets, but they didn't hold on for too long. They didn't sit there and waste seasons trying to force Trey Lance to work, and that's where San Francisco made the right move. Yeah, I so agree we gonna, with we gonna applaud, that. We're going to applaud Arizona, though, for moving off of Josh Rosen a year after drafting him for the same reason. I, won, I, did, I did applaud Arizona after moving off of him because they realized Josh Rosen wasn't the guy. Right. They had the number one pick, and they got the guy who they thought was going to be their guy, 
and Kyler Murray and the guy Cliff Kingsbury wanted. Yeah, and that's not working out well for them. I just think with the Niners, it's just they ha- they were on top of the world, right? The last two major trade-ups in a draft for a quarterback involved the Niners. They were the other team when the Bears traded up for Trubisky. They got all that draft capital and squandered everything by trading up for Trey Lance and getting it. So John Lynch might not be a good general manager at this point. Like I don't think Shanahan wanted Lance. I think he wanted Mac Jones. I think that's yeah. why all those reports came out at that time. I, I don't think, think that Jones Shanahan is still either. holding on to wanting Kirk Cousins, to be honest. I think Kirk this team's going to be in – yeah. I think that's who we wanted before Jimmy Garoppolo came to town. I think they're going to be in quarterback purgatory. I don't think Brock Purdy's the guy. Aside from Brock Purdy, I think they have top to bottom, one of the top three uh, rosters overall in the NFL. But again, I'm not sure with Brock Purdy, if he's even going to be good at throwing the ball long-term with that UCL injury. And Sam Darnold, I've seen enough. Corey, outside of the quarterback position, what's what's your stance on San Francisco? I love the defense. Bosa is still holding out, right? He hasn't signed that long-term deal. Still holding so that's out. something to monitor. But then again, he's on his rookie deal, so he's not getting fined, or at the very least, the fines he is accruing will just get covered by the team because you can do that with a rookie deal holdout. He deserves to be the highest-paid defensive player, I think. He is one of the best defenders in the game. But just oh, – they have such a good defense. Fred Warner is amazing. Just – Everything about them, their whole defensive scheme, you just – how do you game plan for them? How, how do you – they can attack you from any different way. And, like, offensively, too, outside the quarterback position, Debo, Ayuk, who actually might be better than Debo. I don't know if that's a hot take or not now. Debo kind of fell off last year, kind of as a gadget player. He was only propped up because he had that one good year, and that was a lot of end-arounds and running and short passes. Ayuk is the better receiver, the better route runner. I think Ayuk is really good. Kittle is one of the top five tight ends in all of football. If he can stay healthy, he's easily top three in my opinion. So they have a lot to work with. It's a very, it's a very easy team that you can stake almost anybody back there and win with. And defensively, they're going to keep you in every game. Yes, yeah, I wanted to keep moving because I mean we could sit here and talk about the great Trey Lance debate. That could be an entire show by itself. How do we talk more about the Niners than we did our own teams when we covered them? Trey the Lance Niners trade. just made a big trade. Yeah. Trey Lance trade. The Trey Lance effect. Let's go to Seattle. They had some quarterback movement last offseason. They traded away Russell Wilson, which once upon a time we thought impossible. Then they give the starting job to Geno Smith. And maybe this could be what Trey Lance's future looks like. He's discarded. He's ridiculed. Maybe five years down the line, he has a resurgence after plenty of time in the league to grow and develop. But Geno Smith... Seattle was expected to be one of the worst teams in the league last year. They over-delivered on those low expectations. Nine and eight, they got the seventh seed. They played these rival 49ers in the wild card round. In fact, that game was close into the third quarter before they blew the doors off the Seahawks. Their win total now for this season sits at eight and a half. So the only question here is, what's the expectations this year? Look, I think for Seattle, it's similar to last year. I think they expect to be in the playoffs. They expect to do what they did last year. But honestly, outside of the division as a whole not being very good, 
I don't I, I don't see Seattle being any better. In fact, I do see them regressing at least a little bit. I think the Rams are going to be a better team, especially if they're able to stay healthy. I think you'll see some more competition from them. I don't know. Arizona might be one of the worst teams in the league, so you might have some wins there if you're Seattle. Uh, but really, it's a, it's a tougher uh, tougher league outside of the NFC West, and I think – you know, this division is so used to be everybody being very good that I don't know, maybe we're fading out of that a little bit. Seattle, I think, you know, Gino, yeah, it was a good story last year. I don't think he's going to repeat. I think that Seattle is going to take a step back. I think, you know, offensively they have some weapons, but nothing that's too exciting. I think we've seen more highlights of Pete Carroll playing quarterback this uh, preseason than actually of Geno Smith. I think Seattle is one of those teams that definitely has a wide range of outcomes, right? This is virtually the same roster last year that we all looked at and said, that's a three or four win team. Obviously they surprised a lot of people nine and eight getting into the playoffs. And now that's kind of where the bar is set because we've seen them do it in a week NFC. Geno Smith, obviously better than a lot of us gave him credit for have a good backfield. Ken Walker, Zach Charbonnet, good receivers, DK Lockett and Jackson Smith, the jig, but when he gets back from his broken wrist, but man, this roster, when you really deep dive into it, it could fall off the rails. 30th ranked offensive line, 30th ranked defensive line, 17th ranked secondary. And listen, I'm as big of a Tariq Woolen fan as a lot of people. But without a lot of depth, aside from your skill position players, if you face one or two injuries at those spots, which by the way, Ken Walker dealing with a groin injury, Smith and Jigba already dealing with a wrist injury. Things could well, fall Jamal off. Adams is Jamal Adams, yeah. you never know. <laughs> Jamal Adams, you never know. And this team last year, started the second most rookies behind the Houston Texans. So were they a flash in the pan? Was it a last place schedule or can the offensive skill position players lead them here? I think in Seattle, the expectation is back to where you were, but we'll see how it pans out. Dylan, you posed two rhetoricals, right? Was it a flash in the pan? Yes. (laughs) Yes, it was a flash in the pan. Geno Smith is the quarterback. I mean, let's not kid ourselves here. Geno had a very good year. But that was also with a lot of luck and a great head coach, a borderline Hall of Fame head coach. Pete Carroll's great. He did great with Russ. We saw what happened with Russ when he had a bad head coach. Pete Carroll is a good coach. I just don't know if they can replicate it. Again, 30th ranked offensive line. You have to protect the quarterback. You have to. Their offensive line didn't get better. They added talent to the receiver room, but you said it. Smith and Jig was hurt. DK regressed last year. How's he going to do now when he's not the focal point of the offense? Tyler Lockett's just boomer bust. He's not somebody you could actually rely on consistently. Who knows what they're really doing in their running back room? You have Kenneth Walker, who was a great running back last year. Yeah, he's dealing with some injury. But then you draft Charbonnet. Is that not something that's going to hurt Walker's confidence? Because Charbonnet was drafted high enough where guys in that draft spot tend to start on other teams or at least push for starting jobs. You didn't take him to just be a backup. You took him to take on a big role. So that's going to be something that maybe really does shake Walker's off Walker's uh, whole confidence. I just don't know if the Seahawks are capable of replicating last year. Eight and a half, I think, is a good spot because they probably are about a 500 team, give or take, depending on if a win goes one way or the other. Their defense, a lot of rookies last year. Can they replicate it? There's going to be some regression, and not all regression is positive. It can be negative. So 
it's going to be tough. They're going to play a much harder schedule. It's one of those things where you need to have faith in the quarterback. And I just don't know if Geno's a guy you can really have faith in. Yeah, I think Seattle, they go as far as Geno's going to be able to take them. But aside from the offensive line, it's clear they've given him like as good of a cast as they can get him around him. I I disagree. I think DK is going to return to form this season. Lockett, I think, is always, you know, even to put in a fantasy perspective, one of those under-the-radar guys every single year that we almost were on the verge of disrespecting him. And then JSN, when he comes back, I mean, he was the first receiver off the board. Charbonnet, as Walker, as good as Walker was last year, Charbonnet, I mean, he profiles as a more complete back. Maybe he does. I don't think that'll shake Walker's confidence. We see it across the NFL, you know, almost everywhere. You need more than just one running back these days, especially, you know, you said Walker dealt with some injuries throughout his rookie season last year, played through them. They need insurance, and Seattle is always a team. Think of Carson, Penny. They draft these guys high, and you never really know what's going to end up with them. So we'll they see run them into Seattle. the dirt every time. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Like I said, I think they go as far as Geno can take them. Pete Carroll's a great head coach. He'll get the most out of these young guys. Let's go to the Rams, who I think have another great head coach, Sean McVay. It was an injury-riddled season following up a Super Bowl win, 5-12. and 12. Their win total sits at a lowly 6.5. And outside of Matthew Stafford, I don't know if you guys saw this, he has trouble relating to the younger players on the team. Including He's no Tom Brady. He's, He's no, no Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. How do you do, fellow kids? It's him and Cooper Cup against the world. Aaron Donald's the only guy I can name on the defense now with Jalen Ramsey gone. I don't know about you guys. So is it the Rams and Ben, you alluded to this. Is it a bounce back season or is this a last dance? Because Aaron Donald's flirted with retirement. Sean McVay supposedly has a mega deal from Amazon or something to be a commentator. Stafford, you know, we thought maybe he retires this year. Bounce back or last dance for the Rams? I mean, it's tough to view it as a last dance because it's not going to be anything like Michael Jordan and the Bulls because there's not a title expectation here. If they went and did it, it's truly no one thought they were going to do it except for the people in that room. And I don't even think they think they can do it. So I think they'll be better this year just because they have to be, right? There's too much talent. There's too many stars there still, even with them getting rid of a handful of them. Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford are still talented. You saw the injury to Stafford last year really hurt them, and it hurt them early. I think that, you know, we'll we'll see a better Rams team. And, you know, like you said, Sean McVay's a good coach. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Patriots first year without Brady-esque type season where, you know, they, they find their way to make a wild card or something, but never really feel dangerous kind of thing. I think that the Rams, not necessarily just for this season, but going forward, may be in the worst spot of any team in the NFL. You said F them draft picks, moved them all away. Your top tier players are old or injury prone or both. Sean McVay, one foot out the door already. He was one foot out the door after the Super Bowl. They threw enough money at him and Aaron Donald to get them to stay. Matthew Stafford, can he stay healthy behind that offensive line? What are they, 22nd ranked in the NFL, I believe? Um, 28th, sorry, gave him too much credit. Cooper Cup is a fantastic wide receiver, top five when he's out there, but he's already dealing with a hamstring injury. There's just a lot of questions outside of those guys on offense and on defense. 22nd ranked defensive line, that's got to be what? 90% Aaron Donald? 
I was going to say, how are you that low with Aaron Donald? <laughs> yeah, and then 32nd ranked secondary, which otherwise is known as last. <laughs> Teams are going to score a ton of points on the Rams, and I don't think that they have the firepower to keep up, and I don't think that they have the draft picks to rebuild. I think this is a team at the deadline that should try and sell what they can in Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford and, hell, even pull a Saints and sell Sean McVay to a new team move him somewhere this offseason, try and get some draft picks and just hit the reset button. But as for this year, you know, like Ben said, they have some players. If they stay on the team throughout the year, I'm sure Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Aaron Donald can win, will you do a couple wins, but I see them about the same spot as last year. Cooper Cup is a lot younger than I thought. Just, you know, this is his age 30 season. Just the way he looks and plays, I feel like he's 34, 35 already, just an old man. He's got a lot of life left in him, especially as a receiver. So he's some he's somebody that you can definitely move. It's a very movable contract, you know. I just don't see them doing that. McVay will retire before he moves anywhere else. He's not leaving L.A. He loves the area. The Rams are an interesting case because, again, you said F them picks. They were 5-12 and 12 last year. And what they show for it? Not young talent being infused with the top five pick, right? But they do have guys. It might be the last hurrah. Aaron Donald might say, you know, my last year, let me try to ball out as best as I can go out on top. Matthew Stafford might retire. You know, his wife's been going through some medical stuff. He's, you know, older now. He might decide to hang it up. So he might try to get whatever's left in the tank and throw it out. I think the Rams could be, like you said, Ben, one of those Patriot teams after Brady that kind of snuck into the wild card. A team that might not be dangerous, but they're not really much different than Seattle from last year in the same field, not with the youth movement, but with the, maybe they could do something with a weaker schedule. So that might be something where they could have a third, fourth place schedule and maybe win a couple games that they didn't even need to be scheduled on their roster because they were bad last year. They have good players. It's just going to be interesting to see if Stafford cup and everybody can really bounce back to what they were before injuries. Yeah, the Rams definitely still paying the price for that Super Bowl win. I'm sure a lot of those guys will tell you it's worth it, but Rams fans, if you're out there, it might be a tough couple of years. Uh, there is a fourth team in this division, and I wouldn't blame you guys if you didn't really want to talk about them, but the Arizona Cardinals were 4-13 and last year, and somehow it might get worse. Uh, <laughs> projected win total at 4.5, and, and I only have two questions about Arizona. Are they taking the year off, and when will Philly trade for Buda Baker? I don't know about the Buda Baker thing. I don't know where he's going to go, but it does feel like Cliff Kingsbury is just, hey, I'm just going to do whatever, and yeah, right? No, gone, right? So I, I don't love who they brought in to replace Kingsbury. I don't love – you know, the fact that you hire a defensive head coach and Kyler Murray's your guy, it leads me to believe that Kyler's the next one out the door. It looks like that's the case. And look, I, I, I really just don't know when it comes to this Cardinals team exactly what we're going to see. They're just getting rid of pieces. Guys are flying out of this building. They can't run out of there fast enough. No one wants to be there, it seems like. And... Bruce Arians would be ashamed. You know what we're going to see from this Cardinals team, Ben? Perhaps the first ever 0-17 season. 
and or i'm not exaggerating they might not win a game they tr- they let colt mccoy go for josh dobbs like they're clearly in tank mode but you know what i respect it because the cardinals have a clear direction which is something that you might not be able to say for the other three teams in this division and we don't need to debate san francisco i'm sure contending's their direction but we'll see how that pans out but if you're the cardinals and you're a cardinals fan i'm be cheering for losses all year long caleb williams the tank for Caleb is on as well. You have the Texans pick, which could very well be number two, number three, could land you Marvin Harrison Jr., who is rumored to be the best wide receiver out of that Ohio State class. Rumored better than Wilson, be the next better than Olave. No, not a Colt. He will be a Colt. <laughs> Colt stuff cheap. Anyways, <laughs> Marvin Harrison, I got up to You speed. already had one. You're not allowed to have two. No, we're yeah. two. The Browns no. draft day had both the running backs. The yeah, 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 yeah. But I love where the Cardinals are headed direction-wise. I think it's going to be a couple of years away, but you get Caleb Williams. Say you get a Marvin Harrison Jr., then you trade Kyler. You'll get a first-round pick. And, I mean, you guys can laugh at that if you want, but Carson Wentz got a first-round pick. Kyler Murray will surely get a first-round pick. There's a team like Atlanta, if Desmond Ritter's not the guy, who they might feel that they're ready to go. Drake London, Bijan, that defense, a winnable division – there will be buyers for Kyler Murray, and a first-round pick will be traded to Arizona for him. I have no I mean, doubt about that. I, I have mean, no doubt but about you it. Saw, you saw the struggle Lamar went through to get paid. Are people really going to want to take on Kyler's contract with everything I think there will be a team that feels they're ready. The Fal- exactly. if, the Fal- if Desmond no. Ritter's not the guy and the, and the Falcons finish they're not the year giving with a six wins. Pick so, for him, though. We're, done, we're done with the age of a first-round pick for that, this, especially with somebody with a massive contract. We mm-hmm. we could wait and see and revisit yeah, it, of course. But they'll get draft capital back. Yes, for Kyler, get and we could leave it at that. My point is, they will Jim have Marseille a foundation to build on with Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, <laughs> their own draft capital, and whatever they get in a Kyler Murray deal. And hell, they might trade Buda Baker for some draft capital. Maybe Marquise Hollywood Brown wants to be moved for some draft capital. He wants to go with Kyler. I don't know. But if you get Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison, Arizona. Trust me, you're headed in a great direction, especially in a very weak NFC. You might be in NFC championships in five years if you get those two. Now, let me kind of do the opposite of what Dylan was saying, because if Kyler Murray is on that roster, you're not getting Caleb Williams. You don't have an out for a couple of years off Kyler Murray if you don't trade him. You're not getting Caleb Williams. You can have the number one overall pick. If Kyler Murray is on that roster, you cannot afford Caleb Williams. You can't do it if you need Kyler gone and nobody's taking that contract. Kyler's going to Vegas. He's going to play with the A's because that's the only way his career is going to be. Might go play with the Raiders. He's going to play with who? The A's. I said that. He's switching sports. He's going back to the team. Hey, if you switch sports, you get off the money. (laughs) You get the money off and he'll probably get a better contract (laughs) in baseball with the way he was touted as a prospect. He's done in football. He just, the way everybody's looked at him since he was drafted, he's just not mentally there as a quarterback. Cod double XP weekends. He's not even his mind's not even in the game. He's already it's in the game. On Nuketown. Oh, it's in the game. <laughs> he, he's mentally on Nuketown, just ready to go. Kyler's not. Kyler's going to be a bust. I think that's what it's going to go down as. He's going to be one of the Cardinals' biggest franchise busts. He's not very good. Even when he was at his best, he was okay. He wasn't anything world-bending. The Cardinals have to unload him. And if you don't, 
kiss Caleb Williams goodbye. Marvin Harrison, you still might get. They need receivers. But the Cardinals just don't have it built in to win. I think they might have the worst direction out of all the teams just because of that Kyler Murray contract. But that's where their contingency hinges on. Move Murray, they'll be fine. Keep Murray, you're SOL. I do quick want to rebuttal and say that if they draft Caleb Williams, the contract doesn't need to be signed that night. You can move Kyler very quickly if you were willing to you take a discount. Power. You, yeah, you lose. No him. one's no you one's going to take it. No one's going to take Williams. that contract. He's a generational quarterback. You lose you lose that deal, so you can get Caleb Williams if that's what yeah. You're but at the same to. time, you were saying your mind you're going to get him. You, you were think, saying that you're saying no doubt in your mind you're getting a first round. I think pick, that they could just for not. Sure. I a think a team like the Raiders or the Falcons could very much so be desperate enough. A five. Ray Lance's contract was a lot easier for Dallas to take, and that was a four. Yeah, but Dallas got him as a project. Kyler would come in and be your instant starter for a team. I don't know. He looks. We're, like we're going to talk already. Kyler Murray on the quarterback carousel show when we get to the off season because he'll be one of the top names <laughs> to watch, but. Breaking down this division, let's keep it short and simple. I think this is going to finish same order as last year. 49ers on top, then Seattle, then the Rams, then the Cardinals. But the win totals, I think, all going to take a bit of a hit. Maybe the Rams steal an extra game out and get to six wins. But Arizona, I don't think they go winless. I think they steal one somewhere. It's very tough to lose 17 games. Tougher, I think, than winning 17 games. Look, I, uh, you know, similar, and I wouldn't be surprised if the division finishes the same, but I'm going to flip Seattle and Los Angeles. I've got San Francisco, Rams, Seahawks, and then Cardinals in last. I wouldn't be surprised if both the Rams and Seahawks finish with seven wins, though. I think they'll be neck and neck. Yeah, I agree with you, Ryan. I think it's the same order as last year, but each team takes a bump down when it comes to wins. Uh, San Francisco around 11, and then all the way down to Arizona at 1 or 0. Yeah, no, Ben, I agree with you. Niners, Rams, Seahawks, Cards. Cards maybe squeak off a win. They're going to be really bad. Seahawks and Rams will be finishing with the same record. Depends on how they do head-to-head for me in the matter of where they go in that, and then the Niners are just the best team in that division. Well, we all wrote Gino off last year, so Clayton Toon, if you hear us out in Arizona, here's your chance to teach us your name. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you again for joining us. Join us next week for our final episode of the Division Deep Dive Series when we talk about the stacked AFC West right before Kansas City kicks it off. You won't want to miss it. We'll see you next time. <laughs>